Hello and welcome to Glad Tidings, an Everton FC podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Greg O'Keefe and I'm alongside Paddy Boyland to bring you the very best insight into a chaotic last 48 hours on Merseyside. Paddy, what a few days, few days it's been. <laughs> Where do we even start with this one? It's a, you try to unpack it and you try to kind of think through this systematically. And I, I think we've just about managed to do that with the piece that, that's dropping on the site shortly. But I think my head's still swirling internally. My head's still swirling a little bit with, with what's gone on, the way things transpired, what we're hearing about what happened, and also the next steps. I think the really important thing ahead of the weekend for me is that, that there is, at the very least, some kind of clarity over what happens in the very, very short term. We know Duncan Ferguson will be in charge as interim coach. We know who his backroom staff will be as yeah. of about an hour before our recording. Franny Jeffers, John Ebrill, Alan Kelly, the goalkeeping coach, will step up from the under-23s. And it's all Captain Mad, 24, 48 hours, whatever it's been. I've lost track of time. <laughs> I'm personally still smarter from the derby. So, yeah. I mean, trying to if that alone had been the sort of dramatic high or low point of the week, that would have sufficed, wouldn't it? But, yeah. of course, it, you know, less than 24 hours later, we had uh, we had the, the sacking of Marco Silva, which was an unusual day, wasn't it? You know, you and I are obviously on a watching brief, putting in calls, trying to get a sense of what was going on and uh, from what we've learned in our piece that, you know, is on the site, it was an unusual day, a protracted sort of end for, for Marco, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, he himself got to Finch Farm, at, I think, around nine o'clock yeah. and was informed of his dismissal close to seven. So for him there, it was kind of a long, I think, as, as I put it in the piece, it was like a 12-hour funeral. Yeah. It, it felt like a long, protracted saga, even within the confines of the, of the day itself. He was kind of wandering, we believe, around Finch Farm while Lewis Bowen-Morto was taking a training session. He was looking a bit forlorn, a bit down in the dumps. And that kind of continued the theme from the night before at Anfield, yeah. where you'd been at the game and you'd, you'd seen that kind of despondent persona. It felt like he was a bit of a broken man by, mm. the, by the end. Um, and... That's not nice for anybody to see. But I think it does at the very least show that Everton have taken the right decision here. It didn't look like he was likely to come back from this. The Liverpool game felt like a sackable game. I think I put as well that the Norwich game even felt like a sackable yeah. game given what had happened in the stands. And it, it it's was almost a case of prolonging the inevitable. Mm. That was the theme of the day again. Yeah. <laughs> if you look at him getting there at nine and, and leaving at seven, well, yeah. what did you make of it all? I, I thought um, there's obviously a lot going on behind the scenes with, you know, in terms of sometimes a fragmented board, not not in the sense of there being any great splits, but just people with different opinions yeah. as any business in a, in a boardroom on what the next step should be. So we, we understood, didn't we, that Marcel Brands wanted to keep him. Yeah. Bill Kenwright had kind of been advocating for David Moyes or, or that he felt it was time to move on. And Mishiri wasn't sure. Uh, and I, I'm not 100% certain that he was even sure when he was on the first class carriage from London, Houston to Runcorn yesterday afternoon. Um, and from what, we've, from what we gather, even when he addressed the players, he, he still certainly gave them the impression Mm. Uh, you, you might have read our piece by now anyway, but it gave them the impression that it was uh, it still could have gone either way. But he obviously made his mind up in the end, and I think 
a line from you in the piece, you know, it's the next appointment will be the fifth permanent manager in three years. Um, I never would have envisaged Everton being a club with this amount of upheaval, uh, this amount of, you know, we're not in Watford territory. We're not a million miles off, no. are we? Um, it's not healthy, ultimately. It's not the way you build a sustainable, uh, successful side. And yet, as you said, you could have made a very justifiable case for sacking him after Norwich, certainly after the derby. And at, on a human level, a lot of sympathy for him after the derby. Mm. And in the cold light of day, I think, you know, when we've all got a lot of respect for Marco, and, you know, you saw those pictures on Twitter. I think you retweeted a guy had gone up and had a picture with him where he was having a meal with his agent in Manchester. And it's just not nice to, for anyone to lose their job, especially not someone who's represented the club so faithfully and loyally. Anyway, in the cold light of, of day, we might look back at the derby and say defensively, even with his options limited uh, in midfield so severely, it was a poor defensive setup. Liverpool were able to rip right through that side. And for, for as much as you rightly could criticise the players, ultimately the manager carries the can, doesn't he? Yeah, it, it felt like the death knell for, mm. for Marco Silva coming so soon after the Norwich game and then looking at the way they set up against Liverpool. It wasn't Liverpool's first string 11 it certainly <laughs> wasn't their first string attack no. so it's not it's not just 5-2 against a fantastic top of the league Liverpool side it's a 5-2 in reality against a patched patched up yeah, Liverpool yeah. team yeah. that would have been there I think for the taking for, for several other sides at no stage even at 2-1 I think did anybody really believe that Everton were likely to get back into the game. Yeah. And yeah, of course, th there were moments where they were unlucky. I, I, I still maintain that Virgil van Dijk brought down Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Oh, 100% it was a penalty. And that could have been a penalty. I tell you what, though, even with that, and probably the sending off, that would have had to ensue for van Dijk. I still don't think Everton would have won the game because the, the setup was fundamentally flawed. Yeah. It was kind of kamikaze defending this suicidal high line. Yeah given the pace and movement that Liverpool possess yeah. and the ability to pick those passes from deep. I just thought it was, effectively, it was the blueprint for how not to defend. It, that should be shown in coaching manuals in the future for, for how not to defend against yeah. Klopp's great Liverpool yeah. side. And when, you, when you're seeing that, and we, we know that Marcel Brands was in attendance, Denise was as well, Sasha Ryazantsev, Mashiri's right-hand man, was there too. They were having discussions at half-time, as you, as you wrote in your, yeah. in your match piece. Mashiri and Ken White, Ken Wright weren't at the game, but we'll have seen that probably yeah. on a lagging Amazon Prime stream. <laughs> and that was kind of the end. When you when you see that kind of setup, when you see a defeat of that ill coming so soon after a succession of other defeats, like I say, I, I don't blame Everton for making that decision. I think it was almost inevitable by that stage. But we do have to have sympathy. This is a man that's lost his job. Mm. I think on a moral, ethical and human level, we have to have sympathy for somebody that's been effectively told he's not good enough mm. to manage a club of, of Everton stature anymore. He was a nice guy. We've we both had discussions with him. Yeah. We've both been at close quarters. I think what the public see, and maybe this was part of the problem, was that he was never particularly outgoing. He put up a kind of steely facade, a steely exterior. Yeah. But when the cameras were off and you spoke to him one-on-one -on -one or in small huddles as as we do, he, there was kind of there was a gentleness about him. I think that he looked to engage. He looked to be respectful. Um, he would always. I know this is a really small point, but whenever somebody asked a question, he, before 
answering, he would always say, well, good afternoon, good morning, everyone. And yeah. I think those kind of really small touches. He, he was a nice guy. He also had a lot of the players still on side. Yeah. I mean, we, when we're speaking to agents even now, I think some of them are still slightly disappointed for their own clients yeah. that the man that has improved some of their fortunes, although not all, it must be said, is no longer at Everton. Um, and that's the sadness in this, but I do think it was time to move on. No, I, I agree, and I completely endorse what you're saying about him as as uh, his human qualities. Um, and part of me thinks that if the the hunt for a new manager is going to drag on, it's probably the fixture list and, and the injuries that have done for him. Because if they didn't have, well, and they clearly haven't had Tottenham esque alternative lined up to come straight in, I would have almost said it might have been worth persevering with him. But purely for the fact that it's gotten so bad with Leicester, with Norwich, with Leicester, and now with the derby, after that derby display, I wouldn't have had a genuine confidence to turn around against a good Chelsea side who are really good on the road anyway. And then the, the fixtures coming on with City and United and Arsenal, I just felt I can understand why the board thought they had to act. Um, I don't know what Duncan Ferguson's going to be like tactically. I know that. He'll inspire the players. He'll he'll certainly have the passion. He'll get the club uh, in those sort of intangible ways that people talk about. How the importance of that. He'll have all that. How he'll set up his team. Well, you know, he, I've I've watched him set up in the past before he became a first team coach. Youth sides, and you know, he he obviously knows what he's doing. He's done his badges at this level. Uh, you know, who knows? Well, he's a he is a pro licensed coach. Yeah, that that's the first thing to say. So. I think anybody that thinks this is just a case of, of jobs for the boys is is a little bit mistaken. He's, yeah. He is somebody yeah. that he's worked under a succession of managers. He's had a varying level, <clears throat> I should say, a varying level of input yeah. here. And he has his own ideas tactically and in a motivational sense. Yeah. You're completely right. He'll have the players up for it. It will effectively be chalk and cheese. Because I don't think, while Marco Silva was very good one-on-one, and as a kind of man manager, I don't think he was a rousing speech giver. No, we understand from one source that he kind of didn't really want any shouting in the dressing room. That's not going to be the case <laughs> with Duncan Ferguson. Let's be honest. Even if he is a very different persona off the field to what we saw in his time on it, he does get the club. You're completely right, and he's got his own ideas. Spoke this morning, I believe, to to Everton's club channel. Uh, and basically said he wants to, to press in the right areas, be high-pressing, aggressive, use the energy of the crowd. I suppose these are platitudes at the, this moment in time until we yeah. work out what the principles actually are. Yeah. But it's a good starting point. And I think even if it is a platitude, there is something in harnessing the energy of Goodison. Yeah. Goodison needs a manager that inspires Goodison needs a manager that is going to play at a fast tempo. I don't think it's necessarily the environment for a slow, uh, slow passing, slow build-up kind of manager. And maybe in the short term, that difference from Silva will be a welcome tonic for these players who have started to get down in the dumps. I mean, I spoke to one, um, one source after the game away at Burnley, and apparently that was as low as the dressing room. Anybody had seen the dressing room for quite a while. Yeah. Um, this could be a tonic. This could be an antidote to that, at least in the short term, until the cards are in in order for what comes next in the permanent yeah. sense. The irony of listening to you talking about like what he's outlined, albeit very 
briefly and tentatively as the way he wants his team to play. And you know, we'll have heard more of that, no doubt, before the Chelsea game. Is that um, Silva probably wouldn't have disagreed with all that. Now I know that didn't always translate, and that's probably Silva's downfall. But I've heard him speak many times about harnessing the energy of Goodison, about ag- aggressive high press, which his team at their best were good at, yeah. and about uh, being aggressive. Um, well, he did that, didn't he? You look at look at that run towards the end yeah. of last season where I think that was some of the best football I've seen from Everton for quite a while. Yeah. And you look at some of those games, they swept Manchester United aside 4-0. Yeah. They beat Arsenal 1-0 in a game where it could quite easily have been 3 or 4 again. Yeah, smash West Ham. Absolutely battered West Ham away from home. And I think at, when it clicked, and mm. this was only sporadic, it, mm. it was only really right at the start of his reign and the end of his first season. But when it did click, it was good to watch and it did get everybody pulling in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. The problem was that he wasn't able to maintain that over a period of time. I think we, d- I think we do, in, in fairness to him, even if we're saying he wasn't the right man ultimately, I think we do need to highlight that he has been unlucky, as you say, with, with injuries. You, you look at that midfield now and it's particularly threadbare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Duncan Ferguson might be able to get everybody pulling in the same direction but there will still be an issue of quality in that part of well, the pitch well this is it he's still deal with the same players isn't he he's still yeah. got the same injuries he's still got the same underperforming players in, in some key areas I mean not least central defence holes in the squad yeah and big holes in the squad exactly so he, there's only so much Duncan is going to be able to do that brings us I suppose to the search for the permanent candidate to come in and, and succeed Marco Um I think you spoke to someone who said, or we'd heard, didn't we, that there already 100 names <laughs> being pushed in less than 24 hours have been pushed to Marcel Brands, yeah. who logic would, would suggest should at least be leading the process, albeit we probably guess that, that Farhad Mishiri will have the ultimate say. Um, I Personally, I think it'd be nice if he would let Brands do everything and then, okay, he, he signs it off. Yeah. But... I'm not sure if that's how it's going to work. Nevertheless, there's so many names in the mix. What ones stand out to you? What ones don't? What do you think about the early runners and riders? Well, the the one that has been pushed for a few weeks now, a name familiar to everybody's lips associated with Everton, David Moyes. I'm kind of at the feeling we know he's interested. Yeah. He's out of work. We know he's interested. We also know that he would prefer Everton over West Ham. He turned down a couple of championship jobs over the summer on the proviso that something could well come up in, in, in the Premier League. Given that he's out of work, the f- my feeling is it could have been quite easy to get him into that Everton job if he was the one Everton really wanted. I think so. Which kind of makes me think, yes, he does appear on a short list, but he might not be the name right at the top of that short list. Yeah. Um, we've had a few others that have been kind of slightly poo-pooed to us yeah. in Eddie Howe, who at this moment in time is believed to be uh, in favour of staying in the south of England, at, yeah. at least. Uh, he's kind of a big fish in a small pond at Bournemouth. Yeah. But if he moves, it wouldn't be, we would think, to Everton. He would prefer to stay down south after his negative experience with Burnley. Um, we've also got... Just, no, I'm just, just saying he, he'd actually been quoted as well, hadn't he, saying that uh, he's happy and settled where he is and it's disrespectful. That was on Friday morning, I think, so, yeah, wasn't I th- it? I think he effectively there rules himself out, doesn't he? Almost, yeah. It would, it would take a dr- dramatic change of tack now yeah. to, for something to change. So how is one that I think has appeared, he has he was raised initially in, in mm. kind of scoping, mm. but I don't think that's possible. 
Uh, we've also seen reports, haven't we, that the Ajax head coach, Eric Ten Hag, is somebody that Marcel Brands himself would like to employ. Our understanding at this moment in time is that he hasn't been um, he, he hasn't been contacted. He wouldn't particularly be that interested in the role in, in, in its current guise. Everton are in the relegation zone. He's a very highly rated coach and has been linked with a plethora of quite attractive jobs, if, if we're being honest. Um, like, like you say, a uh, hundred names, one source told us, that have directly contacted Marcel Brands mm. and asked to be considered. So it's kind of sifting through some of those names. Vita Pereira's name keeps on coming up, the Shanghai SIPG coach. Yeah. What do you make of that? That's a funny one, isn't it? Because I look at I look at him and I see a coach that was was you know, he's someone who's very rarely been at a club more than sort of two seasons. He has not really had that much success. And and another Portuguese coach, his nationality is irrelevant, I suppose. But for me, nothing jumps out from his C V. That should make. He's already been interviewed and turned down for the job once before. David Roberto, Moyes once, yeah, 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 yeah. Before Roberto Martinez got it, it doesn't do much for me. I, I have to be honest. Um, I think we're probably going to get linked with lots of foreign coaches, um, and I'm just concerned that sometimes not not Evertonians because I'm not just saying is that they know the football, but some people can get drawn into that. Marcelino, for example, um, the idea that if if it's a foreign coach. They've got this mystique, but you've got to look at the record. You've mm. got to look at, say, Marcelino, for example, hasn't really done much as a manager, arguably. Um, so Vitor Pereira hasn't really done very much. So then again, you could say the flip side, when clubs first took a chance on someone like Julian Nagelsmann, mm. he hadn't done very much. So, But that that's a guy who was very, very young. So that's a different sort of scenario I think where you've got a guy who's come from being a player to a coach and there's sheer potential there yeah. these fellas have been around particularly sort of Pereira strikes me as a bit of a project manager and I'm not sure that's what we need at the moment the difficulty at this moment in time is for a project manager to work you need stability and you need to be able to build from relatively solid foundations I think and at this moment in time I'm not sure they're necessarily there or not in the way a project manager would like. And it's it's not like they're coming into even a mid-table club at this moment in time. There is a tangible chance that Everton will be in a relegation fight mm. for the rest of the season. Yeah. And I don't think that's doom and gloom. You've just got to look at the current predicament. Is that the environment in which to bring in a long-term thinking manager? I'm, ju- I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I'm, I'm not entirely sure... Like Mikel Arteta is one that's been mentioned. I think he would be difficult personally to lure away from City. I think he'd be difficult to lure to Everton, yeah. even given his connections. But do you want to throw Mikel Arteta in? Baptism of fire, get us out of this relegation battle. Yeah. It's, it's one of those for me. And this is why I think maybe Marco soldiered on a little bit because of his relationship to some of the players, because Mashiri liked him and understood the difficulties he's had in the in the market and on the injury front but also because we have to acknowledge there maybe isn't an ideal candidate that wants to come to Everton Football Club at this mm. moment in time. It's, we, we say Maurizio Pochettino, for example, Diego Simeone. Not only would they take an awful lot of money to, to get to, to Goodison, but they might not want to come anyway. Yeah. And I think that that's the crux of the issue for me. It, it feels like an important decision to get right, but it is not a simple one, at least in my opinion. No, it isn't at all. And this is why I'd advocate for them 
rather than listening to um, agents pushing managers who they've got a self-interest in, I'd really like Marcel Brands with his football acumen and expertise to find the next Simeone or the next Nagelsmann, you know, or, or the next Pochettino, and let us and let him come in and build from from that with the, an absolute endorsement from the off because he's his man from the director of football. And and this is not sort of knocking unnecessarily Mashiri, no. but prob you you could arguably say that his men have so far proved unsuccessful. Mm. He was the man behind pushing for Sam Allardyce. That was a Disastrous appointment, albeit that you know the league finish wasn't too bad. Um, it was just never a fit for the, for Everton. Silver hasn't worked out, so I would hope that there might be an understanding that look, this is what we brought Brands in to do. It's his job. Let him do, <laughs> let him do his job. Yeah, it's, it's it's his job. And for anybody that hasn't checked out our piece on the on the Athletic site from earlier this week, we we did look in quite a lot of detail, the dynamic at boardroom level yeah. between Mashiri, Kenwright and Brands, all of whom have their own ideas and kind of sentiments towards what needs to happen next. I think you can almost, and, and hopefully this is, this is being fair, I think you can almost kind of characterise them and categorise them in certain ways. We, we know Mashiri likes to speak to, to big agents, he likes to look for the Hollywood names and big appointments, Marcel is a different figure entirely. He preached, as we as we said earlier, he preached patience with Silva, but he is somebody that looks to find up-and-coming players, up-and-coming managers, and work with them on, on that score, as he did at PSV. And then you've got Bill Kenwright, who I think the, the editor's called the old hand in our, <laughs> in our piece, our, um, the headline of our piece at least, who um, has a certain view of how things should be done at Everton and likes the idea of, say, a David Moyes or an Eddie Howe a little bit more. That's kind of a three-way dynamic, and it's pretty fluid, really. It's it's kind of mm. whoever gets their message across best. Mm. I'm with you, though. I think if this is going to work, you have to trust in this really highly rated director of football you've, you've signed up on big money. Yeah. Let him lead the chase for a, a replacement, and then... It's up to Farhad Mashiri as the ultimate decision maker to sanction it if if he's got strong thoughts himself, feed in, but to ultimately sanction what what Marcel is doing here. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Before we sign off, let's just maybe I'm going to shock you. Let's talk about football because <laughs> the Chelsea game is on the horizon, isn't it? Um, it's been a, a dismal couple of games. Do you have any sense that? the new manager bounce now distilled into a new interim manager bounce at Everton in these tops of heavy days. Just what we were saying earlier, Duncan's ability to get the dressing room, you would imagine, pumped up. This is the Premier League, however, and it's not Sunday pub football, so that will go so far. That said, I think the atmosphere at Goodison is inevitably going to be a lot different. They see Duncan in that dugout. There's going to be a sense of relief, rightly or wrongly, that the dark cloud's been, not the dark cloud, that's not a nice way of phrasing it, but there's been a clarity as you, uh, you to, to... A weight lifted. To use a word, you, yeah. The, the uncertainty's over. Let's get behind the team. I think that's going to be inevitable because the divisive figure in some quarters of the manager's gone. Let's get behind Duncan, who is one of our own, to, to use a phrase. And let's get into Chelsea. Now, Again, it's no, it couldn't have been a Southampton, could it? Or, you know, a Watford. It has to be a team who are flying away from home. 
Can you see us getting getting anything from this game? I think there will be a response yeah. for the reasons we outlined earlier. And that response should mean that the basic principles are put into play. Everton will fight for balls. Everton will look to win knockdowns, fast press, high press, all those kinds of things. So you would think most of the fundamentals are in place. My concern is, of course, that it's Chelsea, a very good Chelsea side at this moment in time, full of confidence, full of pace and movement. So that that is obviously a concern. The other is the, the middle of the park in particular and the injury crisis Everton have got. Like we said, Silva has been unlucky. He was unlucky with, with injuries. Duncan Ferguson is similarly unlucky to inherit those problems. Yeah. I mean, you think about Everton playing against Liverpool at Anfield or Chelsea at Goodison, with potentially a midfield of Andre Gomez, Fabian Delph, Jean-Philippe Goubamin, yeah. with, say, an Alex Awobi in front and a couple of flying wingers. That's a, that's quite a decent prospect. I think it's kind of it's certainly top 10 for me. Yeah. It's probably potentially even top eight. You look at it at this moment in time and the, kind of the hands are, are relatively tied. There aren't a lot of options. And that's my concern here. I think we do get a response, but whether there's enough technique ability and everything else to get the win uh, remains to be seen. I can't disagree with that. I think effectively there still are some big, big sort of concerns around this side, not least if you take the injuries into account as well in defence, midfield and ultimately attack. Although it was great to see him score twice at Anfield. The second goal in particular was a really nice move and Iwobi has been hit and miss for me so far. I've, I've wanted to see more, but what I have liked is especially when you get to those central areas, he looks like he can create goals for me. And, and his pass um, through to and my, my mind's gone Moise absolutely Keane. blank. His pass through to Moise Keane, thank you, mate, for the chance that he should have buried. To be fair, uh, was a lovely through ball, really cute through ball, and, and more of that to to come. Really, I hope. Yeah, I've got my question for you. Actually, is is there a case that maybe Ferguson needs to slightly pander? And I use that term loosely, but panda to the crowd here. There are a few names on the fringes of the squad that fans would like to see. Moise Keane is one, even though he missed that chance. I think people would like to see Alex Awobi in the number 10 role, not, not on the right. And even though I think he was poor in the main at Anfield, he still created the first goal. He still had a hand in the second goal. Yeah, He was still the creator for Moise Keane's chance, which he should have scored. And I think he's Everton's main creative outlet yeah. at the minute. Bernard is another one, came off the bench at Anfield. Personally, I would like to see him start. Yeah. So there were a few names here that are kind of not crowd favourites as yeah. such, but would get the crowd on side. Should a manager ever do that, though? Should a manager ever... Well, uh, let's not forget that Duncan will look at this. and I know Duncan, and I know how proud he'll be and how ambitious he is. And part of him will look at this as an audition. Part of him will be thinking... There's a chance, and he, he's not stupid. He, know, he knows it's very unlikely that it will go any more than just into him. But there's a chance if they can't get the right man, that perhaps if he does well enough, they might convince them that he can have the job, let's say, till the end of the season. So will he pander to the crowd to an extent? I think he might do. I think he might start a Moise Keane, as you suggest. Iwobi would just be common sense, in my opinion, playing as, as the 10. And Bernard, maybe as well. I, I wouldn't even be, well, I would be very, very unsurprised if he was a, ta there was a tactical tweak, maybe a 4 4 2. Um, and I certainly would like to hope that he won't have them defending in a similar manner 
to the way they did um, at Anfield. Oh, hopefully not. Chelsea have got the players <laughs> to take advantage of that as well. Uh, can I say I'm curiously optimistic, or just curious, really, to see what's going to happen next with Everton? Definitely um, curious. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe slightly optimistic. Thank you very much for listening, uh, and we'll be back as well next week to talk about, no doubt, the myriad things that have changed since we recorded this. Um, don't forget to subscribe to The Athletic for more on this story as it develops. And Paddy and I have lots more coming over the weekend, and as I say, the early part of next week. Head over to theathletic.co.uk for a 40% discount by using the promo code EVERTONPOD. That's the promo code EVERTONPOD. You've been listening to Glad Tidings with me, Patrick Boyland. Thank you very much for taking the time to listen.